Jersey is the world. Hi everybody, Chris Gethard here. Welcome to another episode of New Jersey is the world. First things first, I had the beautiful Anonymous Festival this past weekend. You can hear that my voice is a little blown out. I just want to say thanks. I met a bunch of New Jersey is the world people. Came up, said hey. And that was really cool. Andrea was there hanging out on Saturday. A whole bunch of people said hi to both of us. Hello, right back to you. Thank you, New Jersey's the world people. Thanks to everybody who subscribes over at patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. We aim to put up new content, exclusive content every single week. And, uh, you know, we recently put up a whole episode, a deep dive on Mullica Township. And it was titillating and everything you would imagine from a deep dive look at Mullica Township, New Jersey. Also want to thank everybody who alerted us to the whole thing about all that pasta in the woods in Old Bridge. We get it. We understand. We saw all the viral articles as well. I'm glad people were thinking of us. And uh, I don't know if we'll speak more to the pasta in the woods of Old Bridge, but we had, I mean, dozens and dozens of people reaching out to make sure we were aware that there was pasta in the woods in Old Bridge. We are. Thank you. Thank you so much for letting us know. And I mean that sincerely. This week's episode, this was me. This is combining a lot of my interests. A lot of people know that some of my greatest passions in life are New Jersey and sadness. That's true. Those are two things I've thought long and hard about. And I realized I've never combined my passions. So I recently went to Mike and Nick and I said, why don't we do a little brainstorm on Mike? Try to figure out what's the saddest place in New Jersey. We've laughed at the most dangerous highways in New Jersey. We've thought about uh, what are the most uh, nostalgic places in New Jersey. All sorts of things. But I don't think we've ever thought about the saddest. And some good options come up. And I can't wait to see what you have to say as well. I imagine that the comment section on the Patreon is going to be popping off pretty hard for this one. Excited to see your reactions. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to New Jersey is the World. I'm your host, Chris Gethard. As always, so psyched to be here with my old friends, Mike D. How you doing, Mike D? I am good. I'm very psyched to be here. I had an extremely mentally New Jersey day today. So this is a good way to oh, top it off. that's never good. No, no. Like, I mean, it was all like, like I was thinking more about the place of New Jersey than I usually do throughout the day for various reasons. Well, I thought you were saying, like when I hear the phrase, I had a mentally New Jersey day, I feel like that when you when inside your head feels like Route 22 at rush hour, which is a different thing. Uh, no, inside my head today felt more like uh, the Great Swamp, which I think is good. Oh, that's nice. Good. Yeah, that's pleasant. Bonaduce, what would you compare your head to right now in terms of a New Jersey landmark that explains your mental state? Ooh, um, what's it, the... Uh gates to hell. Oh, wow. <laughs> Clifton's own, the gates <laughs> to <old> hell. <laughs> Love it. Never actually climbed down there. I know right where they are. Yeah. Never actually climbed down and went inside those. I went in the first, like, maybe I should, 50 or 60 feet, and then the, the ski vats level just immediately <laughs> made me turn around. I was not going any further. That one was a dream, but I'm also like, that's one of those ones that I still am like, I should climb down there someday just to get it over with. And then I'm like, I'm 43 years old. If I get arrested at the gates of hell, it's a problem. I'm a father now. But I will say, man, got my new issue of Weird New Jersey in the mail. Ooh. As did I. Obviously, you know, that magazine in general 
inspires this show. My my four and a half very formative years working there, and then I worked for them freelance and and part time for years beyond that. Obviously, um, informed. It's it, like the coolest thing in the world. Man. It's still the best. When I get the new issues, it's still the best. Oh. It brings me right back to that feeling when I was a kid. I when I used to run over to the Montclair Book Center or Middle Earth Comics. You got it yet? Did it come out yet? When's it coming? This is going to be an unpopular opinion, but I actually think it's much, much better now than it was back when we first discovered it, however long, you know, in the 90s or whatever that was. For what reason? What do you think? Because I think, like, the, I mean, I've always loved it, and it used to be like, hey, here's this cool, really weird thing. But now it, to me, feels a little more thoughtful in a cool way, whereas, yeah, there's this really weird, cool thing, but. Let's kind of take the different angles of it. Let's dig into why this exists. You know, like a little bit history, like a little bit. Yeah, culture. Well, they were they were young too. No, right? no, I'm not. It's no criticism whatsoever. I'm just saying I think it's a polished product. You know, magazine. Now. I love it. Yeah. Well, you always think that like they're gonna run out of stuff or like what else? Like all the cool stuff is gone now. You know. But then it's like, I still love it. So here's a weird story about weird New Jersey is that one of my friends who's lived here for over 20 years never saw like the magazine or heard of it. I was like, where do you live? Like under a rock? So I gave him like a few episodes, a few, a uh, few of issues, my past yeah. issues. And I'm like, dude, I said, you just have to do one thing. I was like, you have to promise to like give back to me, you know, like. It's like, yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. So like, whatever, I give them to him. So afterwards I go to his house and like, literally the dog is walking over him like his kids are scribbling on him i'm like there's like what's wrong i was like dude i was like he's like they're just magazines like no they're not i was like i collect them i was like this is like a coveted item to me i'm like i gave them to you because i thought you might be interested in them. i was like and i come to your house and like they're covered in dog piss and like crayons i was like that's not okay he's like oh get over it no it's not okay like i stopped talking to him for like three weeks after that yeah but mike t i'm with you i mean i was there in the you know in that kind of there was the days when it was an underground fanzine right and then with issue eight was when it started hitting the comic book stores and that's when we found it i think i know for me it was issue eight some people maybe were up on issue seven as it started to come up from the underground but from issue eight on, I was right there, like most of the people my age. And I, I feel like I've heard some people drop some comments of like, oh man, like, you know, they knock down all the abandoned mental hospitals anymore. There's not as much stuff as there used to be. And I'm like, yeah, but it's just made them find new layers and new angles on things and new ways to look at this whole state in a way that I would agree with you. Like yeah. the actual hustle and work put into it. You know, when you when you think about it, sure, it, it was super cool to be able to be like, all right, there's a bunch of abandoned houses off of Route 23. Kids call them Demon's Alley. Here's the pictures. It's also, like, easy. And those guys put in the work. They put in the hustle. And I've known them, you know, at this point, my entire adult life. And uh, nobody thinks harder than Mark and Mark about how to put in the work and how to put in the hustle. And it's the best magazine to this day. It's the best. And we were briefly mentioned in this issue. Yes. I thank them. I thanks for that. I always feel weird. Like I always worry, like, are they going to think I'm trying to horn in on their turf? But I'm like, I don't know. They're not interviewing politicians and doing restaurant reviews and small business spotlights. So we, we try to occupy a very different space and I'm very conscious of that. And, uh, because Weird New Jersey's in my DNA, and I think they know um, how much love I have for them. And to this day, I always say, 
people will like ask me about getting into the entertainment industry and I'm like, it's a very dial. There's a big dialogue surrounding me as far as like, Oh, I did it in like a DIY punk way, which is true. And I've brought your guys two names up in interviews a million times. Cause I'm like, my friends used to through shows. They taught me how to do it myself. But what was a bigger part of the secret success of all of New Jersey's DIY is what's a more successful DIY enterprise in a non-music sphere than weird New Jersey magazine. There are few things I can think of that popped off harder DIY that aren't like, you know, merge records or matador records. When you think of like a DIY thing outside of the music space, you'd be hard pressed to find something that's as unlikely an idea that went as well as weird New Jersey did. And it like, it it bridged the gap from like all age groups. Like you have no idea. That was like a big gift every year for Christmas. I'd like get my parents a subscription, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, I think young people, old people, because it would remind them about things, you know, it's just, it's great. Oh my goodness. Like what, what can you do there? You know, the amount of conversations I'd have where I'd be like reading the magazine and my dad would be like anything uh, from Essex County in this one. And I'd be like, Oh, you know, whatever you mentioned like monk's castle and he's like they got the, that place and then he'd be the one who remembers like i think in the 70s there was a cult that lived up there and then it was like true you know and yeah you're totally right about you know i remember going to my dad and asking him like did you ever know about the guy who lived up behind crystal lake that homeless guy that used to chase us out and he's like no but when i was a kid there was another kid who lived there was a guy who lived in a treehouse in the eagle rock reservation and those were some early connecting conversations with my father, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, so much love to Mark and Mark. One of my big moments uh, besides like, well, biggest moment for New Jersey, uh, weird New Jersey was actually getting a picture in, uh, like I'm no idea it was going to be in there. I'm going through the pages like, oh my God. I was like, holy cow. I mean, dude, But yeah, you can imagine. Love it to death. I have this weird habit in my life where it's like, I'm an anxiety driven guy. I never have self-confidence. And then every once in a while, I'll just be like, fuck this, I'm going for it. And I, I've i never really learned in a long-term way that when I do that, it tends to work out. But I remember they had put a bunch of my articles in when I was still in high school. And then I met them at the Montclair Book Center and they were like, you're a child. What's going on? We've been publishing your stuff, you're a child. And then I emailed them because I had emailed and corresponded with them. And you know, it turned out that for a while, Mark Moran lived in my neighbor, he used to live off of Harrison Ave for a little while. So I'd write him ultra specific down the hill stuff. And he knew it. He knew the guy who Elvis, who pushed the lawnmower in West orange and a bunch of those weirdos. And I emailed him and I was like, Hey man, you've been publishing my articles. It's been so nice to meet you a couple of times. I don't have a summer job. I'm at Rutgers. If you need any help, just keep me in mind, not trying to be pushy or presumptuous. And he wrote me back like 10 minutes later and he's like, you're not going to believe this, but I was drafting you an email to see if you wanted to come work for us this summer. And it was just, Oh my God. Amazing. It transformed my life as much as anything else, as much as anything else. Now that's weird. It was <laughs> good thing. I didn't get that job. I would have stayed there for like 20 years if they would have let me. Dude, I say to this day, if I had gotten that job when I was like 25 instead of 19, I'd still be working there. But I was just, I was young and I had some stuff to prove 
and I've told Mark Moran, I'm super, and that this is, it's funny. I love this actually. We have an episode planned today, everybody, but I love that we've spent 10 minutes on this tangent, but I've told Mark Moran, Mark Moran, for anybody wondering about the dynamics, I worked out of Mark Moran's house. So he and I were ultra close. Mark Skirman and I, I have so much love for Mark Skirman, but I mean, Mark Moran, I used to have keys to his house. We worked out of the spare bedroom in his house. Um, Did you have blowouts in his bathroom? Oh, all the time. It was so awkward. Anytime I had to poop in his house, it was incredibly awkward, which was like every day. I worked there eight hours. I can't go eight hours without pooping. Anyway, thanks for interrupting my sentimental story with that, Ponatouche. <laughs> Sorry, um, I apologize. But I've told him. I've told him. I was like, I left short notice when I got my first comedy job. And I felt so bad because they were like, you got to start on Monday. And I couldn't even give two weeks. And it was not the right way to do it. Um, and I always felt bad about that, but I told Mark, I'm like, I would have worked, I would have worked that job forever, happily to this day. But unfortunately, part of what he taught me was that yeah. when you have a thing and it's unlikely, no one's going to believe in you, but yourself and you got to be the one to go try, you know, that was one of the things they taught me. So when it was time for me to bet on myself and go see if I had what it took in a lot of ways having worked for them was part of why I had the guts to go do it in entertainment. So I wish, but you told them what you were going to do, right? He knew it was like, a, it was just short notice. I got a call on a Thursday. That was like, but it was an opportunity. He knew that. I got a call on a Thursday. That was like, you have to be in LA and start on Monday. So I had to call him and be like, I'm so sorry, but I have to be out. And looking back on it, they did not need me there on four days notice. I should have done the right thing and done the two weeks notice. Um, well, but yeah, I did that to my first, like my mentor and boss. I did the same thing. Yeah. I had an opportunity I couldn't say no to and I had to do it. You got us sometimes. You got us sometimes. And he understood. Yeah, man. And it's nothing but love these days. Anyway, like, yeah, I've never really talked about this publicly, but this podcast is obviously the place to do it. Like I can tell you that very, very genuinely, I see Mark maybe once a year, twice a year. But I can tell you so genuinely that when Mark Moran met my kid, that was one of the single most meaningful people who I knew I had to introduce my kid to, who I was looking forward to the most, because there was a stretch of life where not only was I working for him, and not only was he so influential on me, but I was also working on, my, on him in this strange stretch where my dad was living most of the time in Puerto Rico for work. So it was like, if I blew out a tire on my car, I called Mark Moran. When we had like the van breakdown at work, I'm calling Mark Moran. He didn't replace my father. I'm not trying to say that, but he had a very paternal oh. influence on me in a stretch where I was very young and easily influenced and also depressed, but also like so driven. And he really looked out for me when I was young and uh, introducing my kid to him was one of the I was at, and it was at the, I think he met my son at the Shillelagh Club. Oh. Which also is a place that has deep meaning in my life. It's even better. And it was just, I just knew I was like, one of those emotional feelings of like, certain people meet your kid and, and it has more meaning than just, hey, look, I have a kid now. It's like, hey, look, I'm okay. Look, like, I grew up. Look, you helped me become who I am. Anyway, this is becoming totally sentimental. I'll have to send this one to Mark. This is probably better than the show because yeah, 
I was I was driving down in fear, getting not ready for this. <laughs> well, I didn't tell you guys tonight's topic, so I didn't help you out. I called up Mike D and I said to him, I was like, Mike, do you know what it is? He's like, oh, no, no, it's one that it's a Gethard. It's, it's a, a Gethard, Gethard special. one where it's like, not oh, no. much to think about, but it will go best if we get your guys' honest reaction when I pitch it to you. Before we even start, I do want to say we're recording this on a Tuesday night, so as always, if the pager goes off, yes. I'll have to run to serve on the volunteer ambulance squad, which has officially happened for the first time. Thank you guys for rolling with that punch. Yes, it's, it is. Yeah. Nick, you were so excited. I remember you going, it's happening, as I was running out of the room. Because, like... It's the thing I think in the beginning, beginning that you like you feared like most. The only thing worse than that would be like if Mike got cut off and like I was able to control the recording myself <laughs> and go like live on YouTube, then like we might not be here now. So here's what we're doing tonight. I'm going to throw it out there. You guys are going to have to think of a couple options on your feet. No pressure. But it's very important we get your initial reaction because it's almost too easy a topic where if you had time to prepare, it's not as fun as just hearing you react to it. So I've had a couple incidents in the past couple weeks where I found myself in places reacting in a certain way. And I found myself at one point saying the sentence, this has to be the saddest place in New Jersey. <laughs> So I just want to throw that conversation topic out there tonight. Mike D. and Bonaduce, in your mind, what's the saddest place you've encountered in New Jersey? And I can, I can lay out, I have two that I want to throw into the mix. Ugh. And I can uh, throw them out there if you guys need a minute to think. <clears throat> the saddest place that I've ever been to in New Jersey. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> this is good. This is a good topic. This is tough. I'll give you a minute to think while I tell you. There's two places that inspired this for me. One that I think you guys are going to go. Ugh. A lot of people who hear it are just going to go, yes. The other that is less of a Jersey thing, but certainly holds true. The first one I want to put out there is this. I don't live too far from Jockey Hollow Park, um, the national park up there. And it's a great place. And it's beautiful. You go around, you see those soldier huts, and they're like the recreations of how the Revolutionary War soldiers had to live in that horrible winter. It's really cool, you know? And there's trails in the woods, or there's easy ones that are paved. It's a great place. Gorgeous, beautiful. But when you read the signage as you're walking around Jockey Hollow State Park, holy shit, is it a buzzkill. If you're just out there trying to have a hike, and you stop and read any of the signs, every sign is just like... So here's where uh, the Maryland regiment lived. These guys had no shoes and no shirts. Like everything is just like frostbite ran rampant. Every single sign at Jockey Hollow State Park is there's at one point there's like a memorial gravestone and it's like this guy died uh, trying to help stop the mutiny. And then there's signs about the mutiny that's like, yeah, some soldiers did a mutiny because they had no sh shoes and they all had all their toes were freezing off and uh, Washington had to kill a bunch of them. It's just every sign is grim. And granted, the park is where they camped out yeah. during a horrific winter. Like the worst. In the 18th century. It's not like they had a forced air heat like we have. I get it. But still, the signs are a And there was bummer. no game. There weren't even like deer running around. No, I mean, these guys had nothing. And I get it, man. They had no winter provisions, no clothes. They didn't have the rights, you know supplies and i get it but man when you are out there Saddest each side place. become each sign is sadder than the last huh. this is not my sad thing but that does remind me of a quick antidote if um if anyone ever visits singapore 
in one of the parks in Singapore, there is a monument and it says, this is the site of the worst military disaster in British history. That's like actually what the monument says. Was that like uh, Singapore, like bragging that they messed up the British with like the worst defeat? I think it was kind of, they were both together on the same side and were roundly slaughtered by a third party. Uh, Uh, But I don't remember the details. I, I have the winner. I know the saddest place in New Jersey. Straight up. You do? Yes. Okay. Okay. And we can toss multiple options out there. And the comments section on this one at patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. I'm sure the comments are going to be a bonanza. Can I say something first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to ask a question. You can can just ignore me. Is this related to a bathroom in a terrible place? Oh, it could be. I keep on going there tonight, but... Could be. uh, There's some sad bathrooms in New Jersey. We all know that. There's a lot of sad. That could be a whole Uh, episode. Sad bathrooms might have to be part two. Anyways, sorry. I didn't mean to derail, but So, Mike D, you have one that's coming to mind, and I'm sure I'll brainstorm some new ones as well. The saddest place in New Jersey is actually located within the Thomas Edison service area on the New Jersey Turnpike, which I believe is in Woodbridge. And it is the John Bazalone memorial bridge plaque which now for some reason is located directly in front of the burger king in the parking lot of the edison service area great it is the saddest thing in the world now and if you if anyone does not know john bazalone jersey guy middle of john legitimate absolute like American war hero. I mean, the guy. World War Two, right? Yeah, World War Two. I think he's his story is one of the stories that I think the Pacific is based on the HBO series. It yeah. is. He's one of the main characters in that. Um, he was a Medal of Honor winner, and I mean, he and then he eventually like he went through the whole campaign and then went back after he won the Medal of Honor and and was eventually you know killed in action. But I mean, he's a legitimate hero, a huge Jersey guy, and now our memorial to him is a plaque in the parking lot of the Edison so much better. service area. Yeah, he deserves a lot better. Like To me, every time I walk past that, it legitimately makes me like actually sad. Like I've honestly, I think I even said this to you guys once, I've actually thought of stealing that plaque and putting, <laughs> no, I'm serious, and putting it and, and, you know, repatriating it to somewhere worthy of him, like a nice like, rock or a pretty park or somewhere that like a war hero deserves to be remembered not a parking lot on the turnpike 100 percent. that said huh. is an adjustment that needs to be made that is a great choice mike t absolutely great choice just there's not too many people that we can sit and go whatever this person's flaws were we don't care because they are so clearly heroic that it deserves to be honored and now put it in a parking lot where there's like people running in with diarrhea or like families that have been driving for too many hours, getting in shouting matches on their way in just all the terrible things you see at a New Jersey rest stop happening in this great man. That's how we honor him. A fantastic choice. Mike D Bonaduce, anything coming to mind yet? Man. No, I'm having like a really, there's, I don't know. I find, I find a different, I try to find a, well, like being miserable in a place or going to a miserable place. It's like, I've been miserable in a lot of places in New Jersey. There's some, I mean, look, the pre, pre Joe D turtleback zoo was one of the most miserable places in New Jersey. Oh, no question. But I have so many like fond memories attached to that. Oh, but I mean, it was, those were childhood lenses. That was a miserable place. Oh, I mean, when I look back now, like 
Uh, yeah, whatever. I get that. I will say that the. Uh, I mean, I, I, my mind immediately goes to the entry sorry. area. I mean, Space Farms has its charms, <laughs> but I will say the giant stuffed dead bear followed by the kids' coffin display. Pretty strange, grim, sad place in New Jersey, right there. Huh. Space Farms also has beyond just the specific things. It just has a general air of sadness about it. Yeah, like, I would it agree is a, with that. Right? I mean, I haven't been in many, many years, but... Did they redo it, though? Yes. I think they redid it a little bit, but... Maybe we got to take a trip up to Beamerville. Is that where it is? Beamerville? Maybe we got to take a trip up to Beamerville this summer. You could, like, spend the whole weekend up there just doing, like, that kind of stuff. Oh, my goodness. I can tell you my next one. The one that truly inspired this episode. So I go to Jackie Hollow a couple weeks ago, and then Monday was Cal's birthday. Cal turned four. Hey. Turning into a real big boy. Oh, man. We had a birthday party for him on Saturday. All the kids in the neighborhood came, the kids from school. It was sweet. His cousins. Um, so that was the birthday party. Then Monday, he goes to school, and we let him watch TV because we don't ever we don't really let him watch too much TV. He gets to pick everything. He gets to watch some TV. He's feeling good. He plays with some neighborhood kids. And one of the neighborhood kids, my friend Katie... Married to my friend Jerome. You guys, have, I think, have both met Katie and Jerome when you've come by the house. And they're sure have. Our kids are really tight. And Jerome happened to be out of town on business. And Katie was like, You guys doing anything tonight for the actual birthday? And uh, we were like, Oh, we haven't thought about it. Maybe we'll go out to dinner or something. She's like, Let's pick someplace fun and go. And I think in her mind, it's like, We'll celebrate Cal's birthday. We'll get all the kids out. Also, like, her husband's out of town. It's a good excuse to not have to cook a night and do dishes a night that your partner's gone. You know, we've all been there. And as you guys know, I live in Morris County. So we're all sitting here thinking, What's not too far? That would be fun for some little kids. And gentlemen, you know it. This is how I wound up. Oh, no. At the Route 10 Chuck E. Cheese in East Hanover on a Monday night. Man, I was thinking of Chuck E. Cheese. Dude. It was. I was sitting there going, this might be a whole episode of the goddamn podcast. That might be the worst place. Chuck E. Cheese on a Monday night in East Hanover was just. It was rough. Okay. We got to get into why. We can go through why before Nick. Right, jot down your ideas as they're coming to you. But I'm telling you guys. Okay. First of all, you guys know they don't. They don't have the animatronic band anymore. No. What? No band. It's just like an arcade now, like with orange for my. It's just a weird, sad arcade. They have a whole dance area and they have a countdown clock. And the idea is that Chucky comes out and does a dance party with the kids. And I want to say this first of all, it's not. I have a feeling on a Friday and Saturday, they might have the infrastructure to throw a real good party. But on a Monday night, I mean, you're supposed to check in and they do the thing where they stamp your hand and put the same stamp on your kid's hand. That's a pretty legendary Chuck E. Cheese thing. Me and Cal and Hallie just stood at that entrance and no one was working it. And after like seven or eight full minutes, the person who was working behind the pizza counter just waved us in and was like, who cares? I'm like, that exists for kids to not get kidnapped. If you guys abandoned shift on it, like, you can't have that and not use it. You can't have an anti-kidnapping infrastructure station oh. that you don't use, right? You can't have that. That's not where you can not skim. use it. No, that's-, that's like getting on a roller coaster and they're like, ah, oh, don't buckle up. It's fine. Like you're like, no, if you put that in there, I'm fucking using it. So we just wandering. Could you imagine? It's like seven or eight people. 
We go, we stand on the line to order the pizza. It takes forever. There's just not enough workers on a Monday night. Then oh. they have this whole middle area where the countdown hits. And I've been telling Cal on the drive up, it's like, you know, 20, 25 minutes from our house. I'm like, we're doing like, so Chuck E. Cheese, can you guess what kind of animal he is? And we eventually guess that he guesses he's a mouse. He's all excited. And we're like, and he comes out and he meets people. You might see him running around. They do it once. The mouse comes out, stands there. A few kids gather around. Then they're supposed to have a big dance party. And the mouse is barely dancing, not demonstrating any leadership in this dance party, not trying to inspire these kids. So some of the kids are dancing. Cal's just standing there next to some teenager in a big rat costume. And Cal was just kind of staring at the mouse and then looking back at us. And we were like, yeah, I don't know, buddy. And then we ate the sad pizza. Oh, Played some sad games. It's expensive, too. Dude, yeah, it is. And there were other times where the countdown clock for the mouse to come back out would hit zero, and it just never happened again. The mouse just never came out again. And I would argue, the Chuck E. Cheese countdown clock counting down to zero with just nothing happening multiple times in the same night is just, I mean, what's the saddest movie you've ever seen? Because you're living it at that point. You're living it. How, uh... How threadbare was the Chuck E. Cheese mouse costume? It was pretty. It was pretty grim. Was it the same one your brother wore? Probably, yeah. For anybody listening oh, who may have been this callback, my brother did work at this Chuck E. Cheese in East Hanover, this very one. So when we were, uh, I had Cal in the car seat, and we were waiting. Hallie was just locking up the house, and I called my brother in the car. I go, guess where we're taking him for his birthday. He goes, where? I go, Chuck E. Cheese, Route 10, East Hanover. And you guys will be happy to hear my brother. He nails it. Perfect timing. He just goes, well, I hope there's no Code Browns in the ball pit tonight. Because that was the code, Code yeah. Brown. Oh. And the kid would poop in the ball pit. But guess what? It was a non-factor. No ball pit anymore. No ball pit? That's like the whole reason, like, what? Dude, no ball pit, no animatronic band. The guy in the mouse suit barely came out. There's just like a bunch of video games and then like a little carousel ride, a little motorcycle ride. And then they had a whole upstairs and my neighbor Katie is like, I don't know if you want to like be here all night, but the upstairs I hear has more stuff kind of for older kids, the better stuff. I went and walked a lap around there. It's not much better. It's not much better. They have ski ball. Did they have ski ball at least? I don't even, I don't even know if I saw a ski ball machine in that whole godforsaken place. Oh man. Jeez. The Chuck E. Cheese on Route 10 on a Monday night. If anybody <sighs> is out there, first of all, if you're out there and you're suffering mentally, there's hotlines that you can call. There's help to be had, and I want you to reach out. If you're looking for reasons to not kill yourself, don't go to Route 10 Chuck E. Cheese on a Monday night. If you're like, I just really need a reason to live and hang on for one more day, don't go, don't be like, ah, maybe I'll hit up the Chuck E. Cheese in East Hanover because it's, it's not going to help. It's not, not going to help. Affirming. No, 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 no. Maybe fun and games across the street. What do they call fun and games now? Sportsplex? Uh, Were you guys too old for fun and games? No, I used to uh, ditch out of my uh, uh, Kaplan uh, SAT uh, uh, tutoring. Exam yeah, the tutoring was right there. Like, I wouldn't uh -huh. go to the class and I would go into that and just like, uh, run around you know play video games and stuff like that i had brought that up to Hallie. i said we could do funny we used to call it sports and games fun and games was uh willowbrook yeah we used to call it sports and games now they call it i think funplex i was like maybe we could bring them there it's right across the street hmm. she was like i don't know chuck e cheese is better for the little kids i'm like yeah you're right you're right don't want to bring them you know sports and games 
has a lot of stuff that he's too young to use. Yeah, yeah. So we said, yeah, Chuck E. Cheese, we'll do it. Wow. Uh, wow. I mean, it was like... Um, that was like one of those birthday spots when we were kids, but it was over by uh, the Willowbrook Mall, remember? Right. The fun, Yeah, that's where Funny Games was. And I almost, like, the first time I ever jumped into a ball pit, like, I almost drowned in a ball pit. And I could smell, like, the piss of, like, the rugged bottom. Like, and I remember not being able to get out. I'm like, the ball's coming over my head. The Chuck E. Cheese in East Hanover on Route 10 on a Monday night was like if they put if they put an arcade inside Elliot Smith's brain. Oh. <laughs> you know, like if if there was an arcade inside Sylvia Plath's brain. Just I can like And that was the vibe. Oh. Like sure, there's games. But like you ain't feeling good. Now to be fair, I do want to be clear about this. My son had a lot of fun running around with his little friends. It was just, you know, well, yeah. Katie brought two of their kids. And my buddy, my son and his buddy Killian in particular, they had fun. They were too young to notice, but all of us adults were like, geez, man. Geez. Depressed. Oof. It's like uh, put an arcade in the middle of the upside down from Stranger Things. It was like so grim. So grim. I was talking to somebody who went to the one down here in Brick, too. Like, they had to go to a kid's party. And they're like, I hate going there. It's terrible. Like, I was like, then why do you go there? Is it expensive? Like, there's kids running around. I was like, what do you think is going to be happening at Chuck E. Cheese? No matter where you are. Expensive kids running around sounds happy. That whole stretch of Route 10 is terrible. But when, when that place, I mean, there were maybe like six or seven other people in the whole thing. The mouse got, for, the, for it to be like, here comes Chuck E. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and just nobody comes out. And you're like, I bet Chucky stuck his head in the fucking pizza oven. Because that's the vibe tonight, man. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Let's go back there. You see the guy with the suit on hanging out halfway out the oven. Oh. Chucky got caught in a mousetrap or something. So depressing to have that countdown hit zero and no dancing mouse comes out. It's like the end of the world. Right? Oh, it's my like after, goodness. After the bombs <clears throat> have dropped, the Chuck E. Cheese clock keeps hitting zero, but Chuck E. doesn't appear. So depressing. Anyway, any, anybody else have entries in? I have a one. Can it, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Bonadouche. No, no, no. Go ahead. Like, I'm serious. So, like, the Chuck E. Cheese thing, like, really put me, like, in a dark place. I bet. Put me in a dark place, too. I'm still getting over it a week later. Oh. Uh, th- this is this one is a very particular situational New Jersey sadness. So there's a place that that we drive by several times a week, and it's a you know your typical kind of New Jersey like p- pizzeria sit down place, like nothing fancy, but <clears throat> we drive by it <clears throat> at least like eight times a week because it's on the way to something else. And the, the the Saturday before Easter, we were driving, and, and so it's on a very busy intersection, like a four-way huge intersection right off the highway, so tons of traffic, and we're driving by there, and it's a Saturday before Easter, so just a, a couple of weeks ago, and standing in front of the restaurant is the world's saddest, shabbiest man in an Easter Bunny costume. Looks like he just wants to fall into traffic, but... That's not the sad part. The sad part is he's holding like one of those, uh, oh. you know, like those signs on a stick that like you can spin the sign and it has oh, like no. something written on it. Was he flipping it? And it says, "Kill me, please." It appears to say, <laughs> "It appears to say, 
eat bunny, but it's just because the typography was so small. They had written eat with the bunny, very tiny. And you could only see eat bunny because that was written in giant letters. And so every kid driving past there, including my daughter, was like, are they like selling rabbit? Like, is he telling people to go in there and order rabbit? I mean, that to me was the saddest thing because I would imagine at least... 3,000 children passed by that intersection that day driving by with their parents and had to be subject to that sad Easter bunny telling them to eat bunny the day before Easter at this also sad looking pizzeria. Man, got another option, but Bonaduce, if you've got any. I got a bunch. I'm, I'm getting depressed, man. I got it. Like, you know, like it's weird. Like, uh, oh, I'm about to bring back some real feelings in a second with my next oh, no, one that I just that. thought of, but you go for it. Well, like, I don't know. Like, I'm, like as a... Uh, like I said, I associate my emotion with a place, but even some of the worst places I've ever been in, like, I still find it, like, intriguing. And, like, you know, when you say you see the bunny, right? Well, you know, like, I'll be in weird places at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning, like, working, like, and I get to see everything going on, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But I won't go there, but, like, you know, well, the whole gamut, like, prostitution, people smoking crack in the street, like... Of course. Of course. Yes. You know? But I... I it, it is, it's sad. You see like, you know, whatever, all these terrible things, but, uh, I, I don't know. Like, geez, maybe it's Willowbrook, New Jersey. That might be the saddest place in New Jersey. Well, let's be clear too. Like we can laugh about the Chuck E. Cheese on a Monday night in East Hanover. Yeah. But you know, the real you human that, sadness oh. of like, y- there's real human sadness, especially, you know, that's what I'm like. That's why I'm like real. Like what makes you, you know, there's, I was just talking on a live stream the other day of like, in Patterson, there was a guy who worked for an organization that was like a volunteer, let's keep peace in the streets of Patterson organization who got killed by the police during a mental break. Like, Jeez. that's a level of human sadness we're not going to joke about. Um, and it's real. Okay, I got to find a good, I have it's to find real, a funny, sad place in New Jersey. You know, the facetious, what's the saddest place in New Jersey type. I do want to be clear. And you're right to bring it up, though, of like, there are places in this state where life is very hard and we don't want to be dismissive of that. Or not recognize that, this, and much love. I got it to the people in those places slugging it out every day. And now, the saddest place for me in New Jersey is wherever I wake up <laughs> on Monday morning because I have to go to work. I hear that. I'm going to bring up a specific place though that we've all lived through, and that might oh, lead. No. I have a feeling both of you guys are about to be like, "Oof," because this will bring back sense memories. Because I know how well you know it. Is there any place sadder? I know what you're going to say. Than New Brunswick in July during a heat wave. Oh, man. School's out. Half the, like 80% of the people you know aren't there. It's you're sweating balls in some house where like the frame of the house is so janky that you don't even know if it can hold an air conditioner in the window. New Brunswick in July during a heat wave. No trees. There's something beautiful about that miserableness that... I don't know, that I used to love. The Raritan River has dried up to like just a muddy trickle. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. Right? It Dude, would, the yeah. Raritan hits a stretch in the summer where it doesn't even like run. It doesn't even pretend to move. And it just turns into smelly mud. And a the whole city starts to reek of like decomposing 
decomposing like a poisoned wildlife and then if you want to be really sad you walk by the Ugh. the corner of pizzeria and you peer in through like the greasy yellow windows and there's like the poor pizzeria guy like sweating to death behind the counter it doesn't even know why the oven's on because it's 110 degrees and there's not even any students to buy his pizza like this is just like and he's and he's locked in there with his wife we know yeah. who you talked about much love to old man tata and speaking about new brunswick can be miserable in that time frame do you remember like in the summer like i can't explain it it seemed like new brunswick was always like kind of dusty and had a yellow yes. tinge yes right yes like it would get hot and like everything like it i don't had know like what an old like. west it did it felt like if you blew hard enough you could cause a tumbleweed in that town yeah. in the summer <laughs> i oh i love i love being places where there's nobody else like you know, I remember walking through Boston on like Christmas Eve after four feet of like snow fell on the ground. There's nobody around. You're like, Jesus, like I don't see anybody like anywhere. I'm the only idiot out here. You'd walk through New Brunswick. It would be like that. Now, you guys know I had a house on Hamilton Street and we signed up after my freshman year, lived there my sophomore year. And it was a miserable house. It was that was an awful house. Camel crickets in the basement. If you've never seen a camel cricket, God bless you. Is that what they're actually called? Don't Google called it. Cave crickets. Don't Google it. Camel cricket. Is it the black one? Camel cricket. Google it if you will dare, Nick. I'm not. I don't care to even speak to these. Monsters I know cave anymore. crickets. I don't know. The awful other creatures. We lived there. I lived there with Mike D's brother, Fran, that summer. Yeah, Fran lived all over that summer. Just the two of us. Remember, the apartment got broken into at one point. What were they even stealing in there? Like, Dude, they stole my Nintendo 64 and my video camera. Fran was able to tell them. I wasn't home that night. Fran was able to tell the police when they broke into my room because he had previously been in my room watching VHS pornography. (laughs) That dude sadly admitted to the police. He's like, they came in sometime after 1 a.m. But my room was in the basement and Fran slept upstairs. So after the cops left, I'm like, how do you know they came after 1 a.m.? Because he's like, uh, I was in your room watching pornography until 1 a.m. <laughs> it's just like such a sad summer, right? I got no fake ID. I'm in New Brunswick, 19, 20 years old with no fake ID. My girlfriend, who I'd been dating since high school, went to Italy and we had said, you know, we were like young and we'd been together a couple of years and we were like, I don't know if, if you're going to be gone. All, and it was like my bright, if you're going to be gone all summer, like, I don't know, should we like, like have a yeah. hall pass? And then she made out with some guy and I immediately, I, I couldn't get any, I couldn't get anybody to talk to me. And I'm immediately like, I think this thing is, a, I think the hall pass is a bad idea. And she's like, well, I, I fucking, and you know, made out with some hot Italian guy in Italy. And this is my fucking fault. It was already so depressing. Banging her way through so Europe. one morning. <laughs> And I didn't even think of this before we started talking about it. I come out my front door. It's July. It's New Brunswick. Like you said, that feeling of just this dusty yellowness. And there's a fucking dead cat on the sidewalk right in front of my house. (laughs) Like an adult dead cat. And I don't know what to do. So I called Mike D's house, actually. and Perfect idea. There you go. Dirty Dave picked up the phone. Your roommate, Dirty Dave. And he's like, oh, you got any garbage bags? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you got a shovel? I'm like, no. He's like, we got a snow shovel. I'll be right over. So he comes around the corner, walks up the couple blocks. I got a garbage bag. He's got a snow shovel. I don't know why we had a snow shovel. (laughs) And that's probably the best thing for scooping up a dead animal. He's walking up July, in the middle of July. He's walking around New Brunswick with a snow shovel. Nobody blinks in that (laughs) town because there's 95 other bizarre fucking things happening on Hamilton Street at the same time. And the dead cat was at the base of this little tree. 
And, it, you know, it's like in the cities, they got the sidewalks and then a little divot down to the dirt and then the divot back up. So he's trying to scoop. I got the bag open and he's trying to scoop the dead cat up with the garbage, with the snow shovel. But he's having trouble because the snow shovel is really big to get into that divot area. And then the, a door of a house across the street opens up. And it was like, oh, no. you remember when we were there, there was still just like a last handful of little old Hungarian people who still lived in the college neighborhood. Yes. Yeah. I have to imagine that's done. Because 20 years ago, those people were ancient. But it would be, every block would have one or two people where you'd be like, old man grinder. God bless you for still living here. And this woman who must have been about an 85-year-old little Hungarian woman came out and she starts yelling, is that a cat? Oh. And we're like, oh, no, 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 no. And we're like, yeah. And she starts yelling, whatever the cat's name is, Snowball. Oh, oh no. my God, you found her. And she runs across the street and it's just me with a garbage bag and Dirty Dave with a snow shovel and the dead cat. Oh. New Brunswick in July, baby. Oh. You show me someplace sadder than New Brunswick in July and I'll show you a place I wouldn't send my worst enemy. And that's tough. I'm surprised you got Dave out of the house at all. <laughs> That's yeah, the most shocking part noon. of this story. I don't know how he was awake. <laughs> Dirty Dave was, of course, your roommate who slept on his sheets so many nights without changing them that there was a an outline of his body from the sweat stain of his body on the sheets. True or false? This is true. And true. It went, and this the is head true. part went up true. onto the pillowcase. I, that is also true. I used to spend a lot, of, a lot of time with the old man. He's doing good these days. I didn't say He's his last name. I can't. I, oh, I've had like great conversations uh, with this, the old man. He was always a goddamn charmer, but he liked to party. I think he had air conditioning in, in, in that room that summer too, so I'm even more shocked. I slept on that couch in that room and like got impentago. <laughs> His, well, his room was the living room. Your, Mike D's house was two floors. So you guys had th- uh, bedrooms on the bottom floor. And then there was no living room in the whole house. The, well, the living room was upstairs and you just used it as Dave's bedroom. So it's a living room with a bed in the corner. An abandoned, there was an abandoned kitchen upstairs. Yeah. And then we all and just went in there kitchen. and he had the TV in his room. We all used to go there to watch Monday Night Raw every Monday night. And the TV inexplicably had these stickers on it that said the words... Ass Master of the Acropolis. And I never forgot that. The TV, we'd all just sit there. We'd get drunk on 40s or we'd drink Mad Dog or Hooch or Boons. Smoke a lot of cigarettes. A ton of cigarettes smoked in the house. I never smoked the cigarettes, but a constant cloud of smoke. And there was a, uh, yeah, stickers that said Ass Master of the Acropolis. And if you needed fresh air, you could go out of his room and go out onto the, the porch that was that sloping there. at a 21 degree angle off the house. Yeah. It really did. It really did seem like it was going to fall down any minute. Every time you went out there, you knew you were taking your life in your hands. I never went out there during parties because I was convinced oh, oh my God. that it was just going to fall off the house into the streets of New Brunswick. New Brunswick in July, man. You show me somebody who's happy in New Brunswick in July, and I'll show you somebody who's got bodies buried somewhere. Oh. You have to be a sociopath to like that town in the summer. Oh, my God. Jesus. I'm loving it. This is a very gethered topic. The saddest place in New Jersey might be the apex of all of my personality in one place at one time. It's like all your favorite places. Even sadder than that. Yeah, specifically to July and July 4th is the famed Mike D stealing of Albon Perrin uh, chairs getting arrested in dusty New Brunswick. I forget. God about that. That I think that was the summer I got there, or the summer before. It was so hot. That well, the Aubon Pen is on College Ave. For anybody who doesn't know, it's part of the College Ave Student Center. But it's yeah. you don't have to go in and go downstairs. They have outdoor seating. 
Mike D, why did you need their chair so bad? He didn't. Yeah, he was doing a favor for somebody. This is the misunderstanding. Yes, is some a friend of ours said, "Hey, there's a bunch of these really nice cafe chairs in the garbage. Will you help me carry them back to my house?" So I said, "Sure." And like a nice friend, I went over there, and there were in fact a bunch of chairs laying in the gutter where you would think they were being the garbage. So we picked up these chairs and we started walking and. 60 seconds later, the police rolled up and arrested us for stealing these chairs. And I said, they were in the garbage and this did not fly. <laughs> and I was mm-hmm. taken to the to a small New Brunswick jail cell and put in there until Nick came and bailed me out. Well, I almost got arrested for being passed out on the stairs of the police station at the end of the street over there. What street? That was uh, which college app. I, I woke up to like somebody kicking me in the ribs. They're like... Your friend's getting out in five minutes. I'm like, okay. But anyway, yeah. So yeah, New Brunswick. That's a, it's miserable, but in a uh, romantic kind of way. Well, you you can, you can find the story anywhere, but to most of us, I'll also put this. We've mentioned it before, so we don't need to dwell on it too much. The Wayne Town Center, historically one of the saddest places in New Jersey. This is, of course, the small mall right next to the gigantic Willowbrook Mall. The Wayne Town Center, oh. well before all the stories about the death of the American Mall, oh. the Wayne Town Center, the Wayne Town Center in 1994 was like what most malls are today—just an empty shell. I believe we dubbed it the Parasite Mall, yeah, because it just oh. branded itself a mall because it was close to Willowbrook, but it actually was just a a slightly enclosed strip mall with strip mall stores. It was not, a, not a, not what you'd expect. Like the quality of a Willowbrook mall. There used to be a great fortune off at, uh, the Willowbrook. There was I dread it going there as a child. Me too. Me too. The fortune off. But now I appreciate places like that because they don't exist anymore. Remember it used to be you, you, if you bought a big ticket item at one of those stores, like Sears, I think fortune off did it too. You'd get the receipt and then you'd go out to your car and your dad would have to pull up to that like docking bay and give him the receipt, right. and then they'd load it into the car in the back. Remember that? Yeah, that was how you got big furniture. Yeah, that's how you got stuff back in the day. You know, it might be the actual, like, if there was a scientific way to measure concentrations of sadness in New Jersey, like actual volume of sadness, Ooh. the saddest place would have to be the casino at the Tropicana in Atlantic City. Oh. That is the... Dude. Oh, Bally's is sadder than that. Well, it's nicer. You think sadder than the Tropicana, man? The Trop oh. is like nice, like nicer now. Like the old one, and they here's the whole thing, is I just went down there because my, my parents used to go to Bally's. Like they loved it. And it was like sad back... It was like, I don't know, whatever. They liked it for that reason, but they go all over the place. So I took my mom down there. I think it was like Thanksgiving night, and we went to like... She's like, let's stop at Bally's. I was like, mom, like... Let's go check out the hard rock. Like it's cool or like, you know, uh, so we go out there. She's like, she's like playing a little bit. I was like, let's not get stuck here. So I make her get, you know, back in the car, drive her to like hard rock. And like, she's like, that place is still terrible. Even though they redid it. I was like, yeah, I was like it, that, but it was, Oh, what a depressing place. I'll tell you, I think I've told this story on the show, so I'll keep it quick. Cause I know there'll be some people who have already heard it, but I don't remember which exact casino it was, but years ago, when I was doing my uh, career suicide show off Broadway, um, Michael Sarah came and saw it. 
and he and I have a bunch of mutual friends and he is one of the most down to earth people I've ever met in entertainment. Like really good dude who likes cool stuff and quietly supports a lot of cool stuff and a just very, very well adjusted guy. And he came to the show with a mutual friend of ours and he had uh, lived in LA for a while and he was like, hey, like the old Upright Citizen Brigade guys used to have a poker game in LA. I used to play at it. It was really fun. Do you know if there's any... Any guys who play poker out here, I like playing. And I was like, ah, there used to be a game. I was like, I was never really a gambler, but there used to be a game. But the people who ran it, I think, have all moved out of town. And I was like, but dude, Atlantic City's not far. Like, you can get back, you can get there and back, you know, get down there a couple hours playing there. He was like, oh, I didn't realize. I was like, yeah, it's a hall, but if you got a car, he's like, I do. He's like, I wish I could go. And Hallie was out of town and I didn't have anything to do the next day. And somehow he realized he was there with his girlfriend at the time. And she was like, you don't have anything to do tomorrow. Like, you should just go. And it was a Sunday night. He's like, you want to go? Oh, it's like, yeah. I mean, this was obviously before my son was born. And Hallie was living in Cleveland at the time working on a show. And I was like, screw it. So me and Michael Sarah, super bad, Michael Sarah, just went to Atlantic City on a Sunday night. In the winter, it was like November, it was late November through, no, it is because Hallie spent that Christmas in Cleveland. It was close. It was December, January. Me and Michael Sarah wound up down there and holy shit, man. Like I was hoping they would comp us a room when they realized it was him. I thought he was like, yeah, it doesn't really work like that. And I'm not comfortable with that. It was like, oh, we got to try, you know? Yeah, Sunday night, you get a good deal anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But we went, we got the room. And uh, went to that poker room, and I never forgot. I went around and played some table games. I'm not a poker guy. I would have gotten eaten alive. Played some table games and stuff. You know, the ones where the dealer's allowed to just tell you what to do because you're not, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Three, you know, uh, let it ride and the three card poker. I love all that shit. So I was doing a bunch of that stuff. My friend John from college, I, he was a big poker guy. I said, hey, I'm going to Atlantic City. Come meet up. And him and Michael were in the poker room. So I go into this poker room in the middle of the night, and everybody, there's like two tables running, but everybody's turned around because there's this guy. He's got all this garbage on the floor, and he's literally yelling, God will smite you. God will smite you for this. And it turns out he'd been playing for like many, many, many hours unbroken. And there's just all his trash on the floor. And I guess they came in and told him, you got to clean up the garbage. And he just started babbling. And they realized like, oh, this guy's been here so long. He's like having a mental break. And security came in and dragged him out. And the whole time he kept yelling that God will smite you. So a poker room in Atlantic City on a Sunday night. I mean, this this was 2 or 3 a.m. going into Monday morning. And I watched a guy get dragged out. I mean, that might that might qualify as the saddest place in New Jersey. The rule of thumb of that is they only drag you out until they can't get any more money out of you. I mean, I think he probably was tapped out at that point. But There's also like an additional sadness to Atlantic City because it's basically the last place in New Jersey where you can somehow still smoke indoors. <clears throat> so you have like yeah. people gambling with like their kids and oxygen masks with like yeah. a cigarette <laughs> I smoked a cigarette there on Thanksgiving night just because I could. My mom's like, you can smoke in here. I was like, oh, let's take a picture together. I think I put it on Instagram. Nick, I I can't help but notice that 90% of the things we bring up as the saddest things in New Jersey, you either express that you're actually fine with or you've actively participated in them. Oh, yeah. I inadvertently, things I never thought I would ever do in my life. You know, when you said, like, this is never going to happen to me, I'm like, oh, my God, this is happening to me. It's like, next thing you know, like, that this story for me would somehow end with 
the next thing I remember, I was in a small room over the Irish pub. Like, usually the Irish pub is the last thing you remember, and then the rest of everything is like, a, you know, terrible disaster down there. But poker is like, uh, I like I told you, like I've said this before, I worked with this guy, he retired, um, loved to play like crazy pie gal poker, big like high roller like Asian games. So he goes down there, he's like, he's like, I'm an AC for like three, four months. Like, you know, he's flying in helicopters, all these like wealthy like Asian gamblers, lobster dinner every night, like basically like living there. And like he ran through, he like liquidated all of his like, assets like they make it very easy for you to like you know liquidate your annuity or whatever he's like he's like i was down there for four months he's like i had to run the tolls on the way back to perth amboy like and then he came back to work and i uh, had to work he was working for cash under the books and the guy was like you know 72 years old like blew it all in like in good old ac man but I always say you don't want to be that person, but I probably will be that person one day. <laughs> Blowing my annuity in like... Oh, boy. In two months. Going out in style. Mike T, you were going to say, I think, Mike T, you had one more. We'll get a couple more out there, and then we'll wrap it up. Sorry. No, please, stop. I'm going to shut up for the rest of the show. No, it's terrible. <clears throat> a very sad one is what has become of the USS Ling, which I know I think yes. you brought up once, which is a... You know, it was a, a, a submarine from World War Two that had been docked in the Hackensack River and it was a you know, sort of a museum and they would you know, I have fond memories as a kid uh, you know, going through this. But now because of both like flooding and I think it was damage in Hurricane Sandy and then vandals attacked it. Now it's just Texas a sub like US. sad, exactly like a sad half sunk thing. And I think what makes it sad is that no one has bothered to really do anything with it. It's just kind of laying in the water, half sunk like that to me is very, very sad. You know what you like, honestly, like here's the real thing. And this has happened to like more notable ships and like whatever. You bring it out off the Jersey Lake Coast, like you sink it, you make it part of like a natural reef. It becomes like a dive spot for divers. Like I think that would honor its memory more than like sitting defunct, like on the side of like, you know, tied off to a dock and nobody knows anything really about it, you know? Yeah. I say sink it, turn it into a natural reef, which... Jersey does a lot of. They should build a casino in there. <laughs> There's probably a way. It's like in uh, Ozarks, like you know, it's a it's a floating like vessel, so we can have like a casino and right. It's in international waters of the Hackensack River, where <laughs> law does not apply. Listen to this. We can have prostitution. Okay, like ready. In three card Monty. Shell games. Uh, as of September 2013, the museum itself was closed due to damage in 2012 from Sandy. The museum closed again for emergency repairs in late July 2015. It was expected to vacate the property in August 2018. In August 2018, the Ling was vandalized. Locks were cut on interior doors. Hatches were opened, allowing up to 14 feet of water to flood the interior. That's awful. Oh. Memorial plaques were they stolen from the U.S. Submarine Service, were later found to be on the property of one of the museum personnel, claimed he'd removed them for safekeeping. The Ling is being worked on by new volunteers. They pumped out the water, this and that. Um, when the submarine was sinking, I went in there after I realized I didn't take the plaques, and then I took them as I was running out of the boat. Let's see. Um... How did he not get nailed for that? Efforts are being made to move it to Louisville. The swing bridge south of the Ling is functional, is no longer an obstacle to moving her. Um, 
We have in to September, like, listen, like, listen, right? listen. In September 2020, volunteers associated with the Louisville Naval Museum began to raise concerns on social media about improper accounting of donations. Who's skimming it? Oh, all of this is sad, man. Fresh, so Bergen County. Freshwater flow in the Hackensack River has been drastically reduced for use as drinking water by the Oradell Dam. The navigable ship channel on the river has only been maintained as far north as the Riverbend in Hudson County. The accumulation of silt has effectively filled in the formerly navigable channel. The present depth of the Hackensack River is too shallow to allow the ling to move downstream. There are no funds or plans to dredge the river, the muds of which are laced with industrial toxins. The ling cannot be moved. <laughs> That's the saddest place. You're right. Can it be any sadder? <laughs> You're right. Just sitting in a bunch of toxic mud. Oh, all of it's toxic. <laughs> the big debate is this, like, do you... Uh, do you with every safety precaution, like disturb the silt that's like encapsulating this like uh, hazardous waste, or do you go in there and try and like, remediate it and like just spread it more? The ling is just trapped in a big pile of radioactive mud. So, what town is the ling in? I don't know, but I don't want to go there. <laughs> Let's see. You, you know, it's another. I, I got another sad one. In Hackensack. Hackensack. Okay. If, okay, you, ever make, if you ever get back to Hackensack, I'll be there for you, man. Oh my gosh. Extremely sad New Jersey place mm-hmm. is the light rail that runs from like Jersey City, Bayonne. That's sad. I've never been on it. Never. It's so sad. It. Depends what section you're on. Yeah. Every time I've ridden on it, I've been the only person on it, no matter, no matter what time of night or day that I've ridden on it. It seems to just go through a very sad industrial wasteland. Oh. It doesn't have real stations. You just sort of wait on the side of the tracks, more or less, and hop on and off this thing. It's a very, very sad system. And you would think that that would be highly used because it goes through all these you know, places that people want to get to, but it's the very sad. I mean, it's sadder than the path, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which can be very sad. Yeah, I think like, you know, their, their foresight was good and like um, maybe... You still kind of like we still kind of remember from a certain time. I mean, I remember working in like really bad areas like Oceana Parkway down there, and uh, even South Bayonne, like where like and there would be nobody on it. We'd be like just see it going by with nobody on it. But like now, like Bayonne and all those areas are so like populated. I think way more people use the light rail. It just takes forever to get like where you're going. You know, that's a hell of a slogan for a public transportation transportation system. It takes. Takes a, it takes forever. It takes forever to where to get where you're going. Welcome to the light rail, New Jersey Transit. You can sit in traffic. It takes forever yeah. to get where you're you going. You can pay insurance, tolls, oh, especially from Bayonne. To get out of Bayonne is a nightmare. Yeah, Bayonne is complicated. Uh, I feel like this episode's been a huge bummer for everybody, but man, do I love sitting in this feeling. I'm trying to think of one more capper. I feel like I got there's something one. on the tip of my tongue. Go for it, Mike D. I got a capper. The saddest stretch of road. In New Jersey oh. is the stretch of Bloomfield Avenue at the top of Montclair. That is the saddest stretch of road in New Jersey. Which part? Like up by the museum and the Whole Foods? Yes. By like the old White Castle where it's where it's, it's car dealership now, whatever. Yep. The Boulevard of Broken Dreams. It's a bunch of people who move there and they cash in their savings or retirement or they take out big loans to open like 
restaurants or some kind of like shishi furniture boutique or card store and it closes in nine months. That is the saddest stretch. It is because just because nobody wants to walk up the hill. That's nobody wants to walk up the hill. The rents are outrageous and it's a weird, fickle, transient population. That is a sad stretch of road. When I think about how many thousands of little shops have opened and closed there since I was a kid, it's it's depressing. That's so weird, yeah. Because big, big dreams smash. That's the place where dreams go to die in New Jersey, that stretch of Bloomfield Avenue. It's true. Because if you're opening up a business on Bloomfield Avenue, Montclair, you're taking a big swing. Yeah. And it could go so well on that business stretch. But you're right, that top part historically has struggled i would say all the way down to like uh you know like where cuban pizzas that whole with a couple exceptions everything there is pretty pretty transient yeah that's crazy never thought about that oh i've loved this one so much i'm sitting here going what's the saddest place on the shore in the winter oh what's the saddest place sea seaside heights seaside in the winter i mean my brother's bachelor party alone seaside heights two years ago is like that was a sad bachelor party yeah no really was you're lucky you didn't get like shanked at the beachcomber. I know. Shanked by a breakdancer. Self-inflicted sadness. I'm lucky I haven't been shanked at the beachcomber. That hotel might be the saddest hotel that, almost the saddest hotel, like the second saddest hotel I've ever stayed in would probably be that one. I've stayed in some sad hotels. Same. Really sad hotels, man. I once stayed in a travel lodge near the Atlanta airport where I really thought I was going to get killed. But that's another story for another day. That's oh, maybe that's the saddest place in New Jersey. What's that little motel just as you come out of the Holland Tunnel in Jersey City? Oh, the the Lincoln Motel. Is that it? The one that one they completely redid when you're going inbound. I think it was the Lincoln Motel. That's Lincoln. There used to be a real oh, I'm, uh, the link. If you're the Lincoln Tunnel, I know exactly. Yeah, I'm thinking the Holland Tunnel when you first come out. There's one there that they just redid going inbound. But yeah, the Lincoln Motel. It's like. That's the place where, you know... Ain't nothing good happening in that hotel. Well, you know, it all depends how you look at things. It might be good for somebody. Abe Lincoln actually slept there. And George Washington, too. You know, I think... I'm thinking of the Holland Hotel. Oh, no, it's got four stars on TripAdvisor. Fuck me. I guess it's not that bad. That one's like... That's the one I was... I literally was doing the entrance right there to the Holland Tunnel. And, like, I was like, man, they really, like, made this place nice. There was, like, foreign tourists coming out of there. I'm like, this is nuts. Nice exhaust fumes, turning, <laughs> exhaust fumes. Yeah. turning it brown. Well, they're like, oh, we can just jump on this jitney and be in the city in like two minutes. Well, dude, I mean, that used to be the saddest. They've torn them out now, but oh, and Nick, you might know what these were. In the Holland and Lincoln tunnels, they've now removed them. There used to be these little railways along the yes. side yeah. with these one-person yeah, yeah, yeah. booth train car I things. was in, intrigued I saw with them in action. I mean, after, I mean, how many decades of driving back and forth through those tunnels? Yeah. Three or four times where you'd see a guy and the glass... Yeah, that was the biggest To put thrill. it in perspective, imagine there's a little train car that was enclosed in oh glass. Oh, my God. Big enough... But, like, stainless steel stainless and glass. Stainless steel and glass. Big enough for one guy... Like, jammed in. And he had a little chair, and but his face would be maybe eight inches from the glass. Yeah. And ostensibly, my guess is that you'd take the little train car if there was, like, yeah. a maintenance issue or maybe a car that crapped out in the tunnel to get to it. No, they were just switching, uh, switching like, shifts. But they shifts would do that. for what? Because there used to, to always be... 
no sense. There used to always be somebody in the tunnel. Like there was a there's booth, a booth halfway in that somebody would there. be in there. Yeah, that was the whole thing. Like they had a guy that was there all the time. Yeah, that's the saddest place in New Jersey. I thought that train was a, who used to have to sit in the booth. I thought that was a tourist attraction that you could like pay five dollars at the entrance of the Holland Tunnel and just ride a slow moving train back and forth. They'll actually for. For a hundred dollars, we'll drive to the New York New Jersey line, and we'll give you a chisel and a hammer, and you can uh, knock out one of like the tiles and bring it back to Europe with you or wherever you're going from. That little one-man train car inside the tunnel. I think they finally did remove that though completely. They did. Yeah. It's torn out yeah. now. I drove through the other day. I was like, oh, it's gone. I saw well, that thing in operation. Make Hold room. on, let me finish. Yeah. Let me finish. Sorry, sorry. I I saw that thing maybe three or four times in operation, and every time you just see the guy in there would always be making eye contact with everyone in the cars and it was just you could tell the depths of humiliation and shame to have to get in that little train car oh uh, yeah uh, <laughs> he's like you know everybody's uh, he's the saddest man in New Jersey yeah maybe that's not the saddest place he probably had a nice pension though <laughs> probably but I mean with the amount of exhaust how many years off your life working inside the tunnel I forgot what the number is, but like uh, six, six years. <laughs> when I was working by the vents for the Holland Hill that go that purge right into like a very nice neighborhood now, which is extremely funny, and there's a park underneath it. But they were talking about the design for how much the uh, the air turnover in the Holland and Lincoln Tunnel, and like what it took to like you know what I mean, like how the volume of what it was. So the air in the tunnel is surprisingly like cleaner than you would like think it would be. Okay, because it's continually uh, you know. But we did get stuck in there in a bus in high school. And like, uh, I once almost had a car overheat in the Holland Tunnel, and it was terrifying. Oh, my God. You don't want to be oh the guy who breaks God. out of the tunnel. Oh, my God. The U.S. Olympic team trains for track and field events in the Holland Tunnel because the air is so clean. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, that's like, they actually, it's, it's, it's there so in Denver, they, right? There in Denver. <laughs> all right. We could talk all night about sad places in New Jersey, but I think we've nailed a, nailed a few. Oh I mean, I think we got to take a trip to Wild West City this summer, see how that place is doing. Oh, we should Wild do that. City. The fact that the land of make believe is in a town called Hope, I don't, I can't imagine. No hope. They probably named that town Hope to, at, to encourage the people who go to the land of make believe, like hold out for some hope. You know, there's a lot of places we got to check out. Bowcraft would be saddest amusement uh, park, though, it, if we were going to have that argument. It was just like it's an, gone now. I know, but it was like a highway, like a traffic highway, highway with rides on it next to the Scotch Plains Jimmy Buffs. And I'm certain there's any number of that's like pirates. Listen, we all know too. There's any number of bars at closing time in weird neighborhoods in New Jersey that we're going to hear about from people telling us it's the saddest. Anyway. Cannot wait to see the feedback on this one. Specifically, the discussions over at patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world are always incredible. What do you think the saddest place in New Jersey is? Because I think we nailed a couple. Oh, I mean, Lord. that dead cat story alone, I have to feel like I really brought some tears to people's eyes. Uh, anyway, enjoy the Wayne Tent Town Center, everybody. We'll see you next time. R.I.P. John Bazalone. You deserve better. Mercy. Thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the world. New Jersey is the world is Chris Gethard, Nikki Bonaduce, Don Finelli, Andrea Quinn, Carson Kopp, and Mike D. New Jersey is the world is produced and edited by Carson Kopp, Mike D, and Andrea Quinn. You can find us online at New Jersey is the world and on Instagram at New Jersey is the world. Also, please feel free to reach out and leave us a voicemail by contacting the home office of New Jersey is the World at 973 973-
780-4660 in regards to anything show or New Jersey related. Please subscribe and listen to more episodes of New Jersey is the World on your favorite podcast service. If you're looking to join our extremely opinionated and Jersey-ish community, head on over to Patreon.com and search for New Jersey is the World. We have merch, which you can find at BelowTheCollar.com after searching for Chris Gethard. Once again, thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the World, where New Jersey is the World.